morning. John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, and God's word reads, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the reading of your word. And now that we spend a few moments to look through those and... uh, and humbly attempt to add any comments to them. Lord, would your spirit lead and guide our thoughts and our minds and our hearts this morning as we uh, look at your word and try to understand of, of what it means, but, but Lord, not only what it means, but also uh, help us to apply it uh, in a very practical, useful way to every day of our life. So I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so I have, I've titled this, Um, the truth that makes you free. The truth that makes you free. It's really about discipleship, is it not? And discipleship, it's a word that we often we use in our religious conversations. We are to be disciples. We are to make disciples. And we are to be discipling others. It's kind of a a catchy phrase. It's kind of like a, a, uh, it's kind of like a popular um, topic for today. You know, everybody talks about being disciple makers and, and, and we need to be disciples and you need to be disciples and we need to be discipling others and we ourselves need to be disciples. And it's, it's true, but, but for the current context, it's, it's kind of catchy. And so I looked up a simple Google definition of the word disciple and it yielded two definitions. The first one, of course, interestingly enough, was a personal follower of Jesus during his life, especially the 12 apostles. The second definition, be more applicable for us, and that is a follower or student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. A follower of a student or or a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. And I was reminded of Luke chapter 6, verse 40, where Luke had recorded for us and had written this. He said, a pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone after he has been fully trained will be like his teacher. And so as we think of this, uh, this uh, sometimes we think it's a new concept and it's not, of how do we be disciple makers? Well, number one, we don't want anybody to be following us, do we? And so we're engaged in discipleship at all. It needs to be to point others to Jesus, right? Not that I'm helping. We certainly want to be mentors to each other. But in the true nature of discipleship, it is being follower of Jesus. It's being a servant of Jesus. It's being a Christian, right? And so our goal is to follow Jesus. And the second is to point people to Jesus. But why do we want to follow? And why do we want to point others to Jesus? Because we are all seekers of the truth, are we not? We're all just seeking truth, seeking meaning, seeking Purpose. There's different synonyms that we would apply to that idea of seeking the truth because we're seeking for purpose and seeking for meaning. And the famous statement, I call it famous, maybe it's infamous, statement by Pilate 
when he questioned Jesus at his trial may come to mind when Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? And I always picture Pilate just as throwing up his hands and what is truth? Asking it in such a way that who can possibly understand what truth is? Well, the truth you seek is the truth that makes you free. Truth that makes you free. And so in our text this morning, um, I want you to notice uh, first in our title that I have titled this, that I've used uh, the definite article, the. It is not a truth. It is not a type of truth. It is not one of many truths. It is the truth. It is the truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus did not say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. No, he said, I am the way, I am the life, I am the truth. There is no other. And as Christian people, there is nothing that will get us in trouble quicker than when we say that, that this truth is the exclusive truth. This truth is the only truth. Jesus is not just an option. He's not just a way. He is the only way to eternal life. Jesus said the way, the truth, and the life. It is the truth that makes you free. ESV puts the truth that sets you free. I like makes you free a little bit better, but nonetheless, we're not going to go with semantics there. It's the truth that makes you you free. And so I assume this morning that you want to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. And if not, I hope within the next few minutes that you will decide that it is your best option. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I I do trust that in the next few minutes also that that it helps you have a closer and a more meaningful relationship with Jesus. As If your life is anything like mine, It can flow a little up and down, and as we go through life as people uh, still not glorified, sometimes we struggle a bit with our faith. Sometimes we wrestle with a few things, right? Or sometimes we question a few things. It's a normal, healthy faith, is it not? And so first here this morning, as we dig into this, I want you to notice that in verse 31, that discipleship begins with belief. Discipleship begins with belief. And last Sunday we left off in a verse that I didn't elaborate on very much at all, and I probably should have, but it's verse 30. And it was kind of a negative, everything before that. But yet in verse 30, as he spoke these things, John had recorded many, because John was right there, right? As he spoke these things, many came to believe in Jesus. Many came to believe in Jesus. And so today, verse 31 starts out with that. And so Jesus was saying to those Jews, to those religious people, to those people that were before him, that believed him, those who had believed him. First, it starts, discipleship starts with a belief. I mean, before we're going to follow anything, be it a teacher, be it a philosopher, be it a leader of whatever it may be, be it Jesus, we're going to have to believe, right? It is for belief that John wrote this gospel. That's the whole reason why John wrote this gospel. And so I'm going to remind you once again, we could almost call it his thesis statement. I don't know if it's quite that, of why John wrote this gospel. We find it at the end of his letter, of his gospel. And that is in John chapter 30, verse 31. And he said, these things have been written. Many, many more things could have been written than what I actually wrote. But these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life 
in his name. Again, I want you to notice Jesus said that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' middle name. Christ is a title that is the Messiah. Jesus is not a Messiah. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus is just not one of the sons of God. Jesus is the Son of God. In John chapter 2, verse 23 to 24, Jesus said, Now when he, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, Many believed in His name, observing His signs which He was doing. But Jesus on His part was not entrusting Himself to them, for He knew all men. Now it's been quite some time since we covered these chapters from the, these verses from the second chapter, but what we see that many came to believe in Jesus, but just because they said and they came to believe in Jesus, Jesus knew what was in their heart. And Jesus knew and Jesus knows today still that there's some who initially believe, but they never follow through with it. It doesn't take root, if you will. Jesus knows what's in the heart of all people. So believing starts with belief. Discipleship begins with belief, but it certainly certainly doesn't end there. I, I, I get it, and I, I understand when many folks will say, oh, yeah, yeah, that person's a believer. What does that mean? What does that mean? I think we need to be a bit more specific when we talk about someone else's faith, which, by the way, we certainly cannot judge. And we talk about our own faith. I'm not sure if just saying I'm a believer is the right terminology we'd want to use. We certainly want to say we're a follower of Jesus. Isn't that what we mean? Right? We're a follower of, of Jesus. R.C. Ryle, he wrote this. He said, time and wear test metals and prove whether they're plated or whether they're solid. Time and wear test metals and prove whether it's plated or if it's just solid. Right? I mean, so the outside can look nice and shiny. The outside can look very great with a little bit of time, with a little bit of wear. Next thing we realize is like, oh, you mean it's not solid gold? <laughs> right? It's not solid silver, whatever it may be. No, it's time and wear. And the same is with our own life, the life of a believer. With time, with time we can tell if that believer, if that is authentic faith or not. And so, it's, discipleship starts with, with belief. doesn't end there. Second, discipleship means continuing in the Word. Continuing in the Word. See that in verse 31 where Jesus says that um, some were believed in Him. If you continue in My Word, then you are truly My, my disciple. So, so, two things that we see here in verse 31 that I want to highlight for you. And that is first, continue... Well, three, actually. Continue, word, and disciple. So if you continue, now if you have the ESV, it would say abide, and that would be a good translation, uh, not necessarily the best maybe for here, because it's if you continue in my word. And first I want to focus in a little bit on, on, on this word um, and get in behind it a little bit. And for that, I, I, wanna, I want to, uh, to go to Luke chapter 8. Um, I want to go to Luke chapter 8 because sometimes there can be some confusion about word or sometimes maybe we gloss over word. Uh, and what does that exactly mean? We say, well, no, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I don't necessarily 
follow the biblical text or whatever it may be. Yeah, it's got some good teachings, but we don't want to worship the Bible. No, and I get all that. I, I get all that. But when I think we're splitting hairs that can get us in some trouble there when, when we do that. And so I want to go to Jesus' own words uh, in the idea of if you continue in the Word. And in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15, it's the parable of the sower. And you're probably familiar with it. If you're not, then I would ask you to write that down, Luke chapter 4, and read that for yourself, or Luke chapter 8, and read that for yourself. Um, but, but here we see that when a large crowd had been coming together and those from various cities were journeying with Jesus and he spoke a parable to all the people that were just hanging out with him, right? And this is what he said. He said, hey, a farmer went out, a sower went out and he sowed seed. And as the seed fell, as the sower seed, some fe- seed fell beside the road and it was trampled underfoot. Some of the birds and they came into the air and they ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell on the, among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it out. Other seed fell on the good soil, and, and, and it produced a crop of a hundred times as much. And as he said these things, he called out. I want you to pay attention to this little sentence, because I'm going to come to it later. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples began to question him and say, hey, hey, Jesus, could you speak a little bit English for us? Or could you speak a little clear Aramaic or Greek? Could you, could you be a little clearer to us? Well, what are you talking about in this parable? And so Jesus said, hey, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. And those that fell beside the road, they fell beside the road and the people trampled it underfoot. Jesus says the devil came and they didn't have an opportunity to receive that word because the devil snatched it from them. And other the seed, the word, as the word was spoken, it fell around some, some rocky soil and it sprung up and they said, I'm a believer. And then life got hard and they said, I'm no longer a believer. What kind of God would allow this to happen in my life, right? We hear this kind of terminology. Now, maybe that's a little bit of my eisegesis here. I'm not sure, but we hear this kind of conversation. I don't want to read into the text, but I think it works. And then some of the seed that falls upon um, out there in the weeds, and, and the next thing you know, the cares of life, my job, my, my, my wife, my husband, my kids, my hobbies, all these things start competing for my time, take time to be able, all these things start competing for my time, and pretty soon, Ah, the seed, the Word of God just falls to the wayside and the Bible is never, never open. But yet some of the seed, some of the seed falls on really good soil, verse 15. And these are the ones who have heard the Word and they're honest and a good heart and listen, and they hold fast and bear fruit with perseverance. You see, this is what's being spoken of right here in John chapter 8, verse 31, when Jesus says, if you continue in my word, if you hold fast, if you stay steadfast, if Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. Right? Your word, what is this word? It's the written word. It's exactly what it is. And sure, they did not have the New Testament as so many want to argue. And and I don't really want to go down that road because I don't know where to stop. I've become very passionate about this. 
But they had the Old Testament. The Old Testament points to the New Testament, right? It points, points to Jesus. And today we have these very words recorded us in the New Testament. And I get in these little Twitter battles sometimes with people and they say, yeah, but we follow Jesus. We don't follow the Bible. We're not really. It's like, how do you know about Jesus if you don't have the New Testament? This is, it's all there, right? How do you know about Jesus? How do you know that Jesus died and that he rose again? How do you know that? How do you know that? Outside the biblical text. You do not know that. And so to choose that I'm going to believe that part and not this part, well, why should I believe any of it? Right? I mean, every generation, and I'm on my stump now, but every generation must battle for the Word of God. We must do battle. Every generation has had to battle for the inerrancy, for the, <laughs> for the Word of God. So, discipleship means continuing in the Word. It's not good enough just to believe. Believe what? We believe what the biblical text teaches us. And yes, many, many have used the text as a club. Many have used the Bible as a, <laughs> to do horrendous things in the world. We understand that. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to get together and we need to study. That's why I need you, not just to take my word for it. I need you to look in your Bible, bring your Bible, look at where it is, bring something to write with, make notes, study. We need each other to stay faithful, to continue in that word. We must and we need each other. And that's the next word I want to come to and that is continue. A true disciple abides in the Word of God. A true disciple continues in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. The one who endures. And they say, hey, Jesus. Jesus, you know, all the followers of Jesus say, hey, Jesus, tell us when the end is going to be. <laughs> now, it's interesting when things happen in the world and all of a sudden people have end time thoughts come to mind, right? All of a sudden they're interested and it's like, Wow, I don't know what they had for breakfast, but that's a wild interpretation of the revelation, but whatever. So the disciples came along and they said, hey, Jesus, tell us when the end's going to be. I mean, right? And so Jesus says, the one who endures to the end, he tells them, and he says, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Will be saved. We must endure to the end. Now, this word endure is just to maintain a belief, a course of action in the face of opposition, Stands one's ground, hold out to endure, and yet maintain a belief. Maintain a belief is not helpful if it is a wrong belief, right? It's not helpful at all if I, if I truly believe it's raining outside and it's not raining outside. I, I can be as sincere as I want to be, but it doesn't mean I'm right. That's why I want to go all the way back. And Jesus said, I am the way. There's not a way. I am the truth, not a truth. I am the life. There's not a life. There is only one. And that we must do battle for. Listen, when life gets hard, when things get difficult, we must continue in the word. Then you are truly my disciples of mine, Jesus says. I want to go um, to Revelation, to uh, the Revelation of John. Um, and I want to highlight a few things, things there um, as we, we drill down just a little bit on the importance of this as Christian people and as a, as a church. John starts out this letter. Uh, yes, it, it, 
it is a letter. It's many different genres, but he starts out in letter form and he writes it to seven churches. It's a circular letter. And he writes it to these seven churches in Asia. Now, there were many churches in Asia. And so these seven aren't the only ones John was writing to. Numbers are very important to John. And so as he was writing to these seven churches, seven is the number of perfection and it's the number of, of, of completeness. And so John was, was saying that it's for all the churches of Asia. But he called out seven specifically, seven different issues that they had. And within those seven issues, all the churches of Asia and all the churches of still today have some of those same struggles. And the word for them is still the word for us. And so as he sent that letter out and as they passed it around to the other churches and as they stood right like this, maybe at a lectern, maybe who knows what, maybe under, under a shade tree, under a fig tree outside, and they read the, the revelation of John to the people. They understood what it meant. It wasn't all crazy like it is for us at times. They, they truly understood what that meant and how it applied to their life. And so for us to be able to apply it to our life, we must first understand how it, how they heard it and how it meant for them before we even know how to apply it to our life. So I'm getting off it. But here's these seven churches, right? And he writes and he starts out writing to these seven churches. And I want to start out with the church of Thyatira. And he says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, he said, He who overcomes, which that's a little sentence he says to every single church. He who overcomes and who keeps my deeds until the end. See, here again, Jesus is talking to this church in Thyatira. And he says, listen, he who can overcome, he who can endure, he will keep my deeds till the end. That's the person that will be saved. And so I just want to do a quick flyover of these churches because we catch a couple themes that are, that are um, not unique to any one specific church, but they're unique to them all. And he starts out with the church of, of, Ephes of, of Ephesus there in the second chapter. And he says, yeah, I, I know your deeds, your toil and your perseverance, and that you have perseverance and that you have endured. Again, catch that, that you have endured for my sake and you have not grown weary. But hey, I do have this one issue with you. And that is that you've, you've lost your, your first love. And then he comes up and he ends that message to that church with, he who has an ear, let him hear. They physically could hear this because it was read out loud to them. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes. Hear that? Those are the same words Jesus just got done saying in Luke chapter 8 in that parable, right? He who has an ear, let him hear. He who has an ear, let him hear to him who overcomes. Smyrna. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Here's a church that was under severe persecutions. And Jesus didn't have one beef with this church, if you would say so, because this was a church that, that was going through great suffering. And he says, be faithful until the end, even unto death. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes. Pergama, you hold fast my name and do not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you, who died as a martyr, even in the midst of that, you didn't lose faith. You didn't hold out. But I have a few things against you. See, some of you are holding to the teaching of Balaam, to the teachings of Balak. We have to be careful the teachers we follow, right? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes. Thyatira, I know your deeds, your love, your faithful ones. Covered that one. 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, church to Sardis. So remember what you have received and heard. And keep it. Right? Remember what you remember how you came to Christ. Remember the first time you said, I believe. Hang on to it. Keep it. Know why you said that at that time. He who overcomes, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Philadelphia, you have kept my word, my perseverance. He who overcomes, he who has an ear, let him hear. Laodicea, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold, and I wish you'd at least pick a lane. Right? But you, whoever comes, you who has an ear, let him hear. Right? So this is how the letter, this is how the revelation of John starts out. A church that is battling. A church that was in the midst of a severe persecution. Some of the churches were flourishing. And some of the churches were, is where all the elite went to. And some of the churches were churches that were very poor. And they were just really struggling. I mean, they were, they were in, the, in the poor section of town, if you will. And physically, I mean, and, and materially, they were just really, really struggling. Okay? And then we got all this messy stuff right in the middle of the Revelation, right? I mean, that where people like to get off in the weeds in. But I want to skip past those weeds, and I'm going to go right to the end. Because in Revelation chapter 20, as, as, as John is now turning the corner, and he says this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, which I think is the key to the revelation, he who overcomes will inherit all these things. Now listen, I will be his God, and he will be my son. So here he starts out with this, this letter to all these churches and say, listen, hold out, overcome, stay strong, persevere, continue in my word then I will be your God. You will be my child. You will be my son. You will be my daughter. That is the importance, my friends, this morning of John chapter 8, verse 31. If you continue in my word, if you hold on, if you stay steadfast, you will then be my disciple. You will be my son. You will be my, my daughter. Well, discipleship issues and knowledge of truth. Switching gears, <laughs> discipleship issues in knowledge of truth. We see it in verses 32 to 33. It says, and you will know the truth. And the truth what? The truth will make you free. They answered him. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> right? We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. They took great pride in this idea that they were never enslaved. Hey, listen, the, the, the Jewish people were enslaved to everyone out there. I mean, they, all through the history of the Jewish people, through the Israelites, right? They were always being enslaved. But these particular ones, for this particular time that Jesus was talking, they said, we've never been enslaved, though they were. They were certainly enslaved to, to, to Rome, though they just um, didn't acknowledge that they were. But they were tied in there. How easy it can be to be enslaved to the government, to the leadership of that country, without even knowing it. And that's what, that's what they thought. But, but anyways, come back. And so truly I say, or, or, uh, where am I at? Verse 33. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been a slave to anyone. How is it that you say to me, we, or, or you will become free? Listen, knowledge alone saves no one. Jesus says, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. But knowledge alone saves no one. We can become slaves to knowledge, but with knowledge also comes truth for discipleship. Listen, if I had more time, and I don't, I've run myself about out of time, but 
But Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 18, I want you to write that down um, because discipleships know the truth and discipleships know that we are slaves, right? This idea of being free, no, no, no. Paul is very clear through Romans and, and elsewhere that we are slaves to something. We're either slaves to Christ or we're slaves to this world. We're either slaves to sin, Paul says, or we're slaves unto or to righteousness. Disciples know, followers of Jesus know, we are doulases, we are slaves to something. It's either to sin, it's either to our nature, or it's to God. But, but we are our slaves. So you can look into that a little more for yourself. But discipleship results in freedom. 34 to 36. Let's get to some good parts. So 34 to 36, as we bring this thing to a close, he says this, and Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, Everyone commits sin as a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If you are a son, if, the, if you are a son, the son makes you free, and you are free indeed. Listen, slaves could have been released after seven years. In fact, they were supposed to have been released. There was no permanency there. And Jesus says, and he points back to, to Genesis, he points all the way back to Genesis, which Paul again quotes in, in Galatians chapter 4, and he says, yeah, you remember Isaac, and you remember Ishmael, you remember how the son of the flesh, which would have been Ishmael, because they took things into their own hands, that is not going to be the inheritance. Just like you are not inherited, your inheritance isn't sin. He says, no, no, kick, kick the son of the flesh out, because you're not son of the flesh you are son of the Spirit. Listen, we're not, we're not slaves. We're not a son to the sin. Yes, we struggle and yes, we wrestle the here and the now. But that is not who we are. We are descendants of Abraham. We are descendants of God. We're descendants of the Spirit, not of, not of the flesh. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28 to 31. Jot that down. You can read it. And then I want to end with this. Luke chapter 15, where you got the prodigal son as he came home. And the other son said, come on, dad, you're giving away the farm. You're giving everything to this son. He was disobedient. He left and he ran away and all these things. The father tells him what? Son, you've always been with me. You've never gone away. And yet all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brothers of yours who was dead. He wasn't dead. There he's standing there. He didn't come back to life. But physically, he was dead. But now... But now he has begun. He started to, he hasn't completed. He started to live. He was lost and he has been found. We need to continue. We need to continue. We need to continue. And I want to leave you with this right here. I promise this is what I'm going to leave you with actually. Um, and that is this story to illustrate this point. And it's from the introduction to Bob Goff. I don't know if you've heard of Bob Goff. He's an interesting leadership guy. Um, <clears throat> but the latest book that he's titled, he said, Dream Big. In his introduction, he wrote this. He said, I have been teaching as an adjunct professor at Pepperdine Law School for more than a decade. It's a place filled with bright and ambitious law students, many of whom had a lot of life break in their direction. I also teach a class at San Quentin State Prison. Talk about two opposites, right? My class there is filled with men who are felons. Their misdeeds have exacted a high price from them, namely their freedom. I learned quite a bit from both sets of students, but the contrast between them cannot be overlooked. There is an authenticity that brokenness can refine in our lives if we'll let it. Ironically, the guys with the life sentence 
often seem to be living freer lives than the law students. With all the opportunities, their brokenness ultimately led them to a personal freedom, even if it is behind bars. He goes on and he says this story. I don't know if it's in the book or not, but I heard in an interview of his. But see, so for us, as we think about where we are, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a follower? Not just a believer. Are you a follower of Jesus? And I trust that you are, and I would assume most of you this morning can say you are. And yet with that can become a little baggage. And we can become slaves to the here and now. Not as far as that we're losing our eternal security, because we, we know God promises we can't lose our eternal security. We can't just accidentally misplace it. There it goes. But we can't make a false claim. We can say that we're a believer when we're not, and then we, we walk away. But I'm talking to you this morning who are a true follower of Christ. There's times that this life, times that things of this world can enslave us. And Bob talks about this guy that he worked with at the prison. And when he got out of prison, he called Bob up and said, hey, hey, I'm out of prison. And it's kind of funny. He's kind of a funny guy. And he says this, he says, please tell me there's not bed sheets strung together on the outside of that wall um, that he escaped from prison. He says, no, 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 I got out legally. I got out, out okay. And he says, tell me. What is, what is the most, what is the neatest thing that you've experienced these few days or few weeks that you've been outside of prison? He hadn't even seen a cell phone, seen nothing. He seen nothing. He says, well, tell me that, what's the neatest thing that you've experienced so far? The guy thought for a moment, he says, I got pockets. Pockets. Pop says, pockets. He says, yeah, I got pockets in my pants. He never had pockets in his pants in prison. Bob's advice to him was this, and it's my advice to all of us. He said, be careful what you put in those pockets, right? I mean, be careful what we put in our pockets. That baggage that we want to pick up, that baggage that wants to hold us down. Not that it causes us to lose our salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But in a sense, it can make us a slave by the things we choose to put in our pockets. And Jesus says, hey, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. Don't be careful what you put in your pockets. Lord, I thank You for that simple little message. Father, first and foremost, I pray that You would search each heart and mind. Lord, are we a true believer? Are we a true follower? Are we a true disciple? Have we totally surrendered our heart and life to You? Are we just playing games? Are we just that seed that sprung up and as soon as difficulties come, we're done. Oh, Lord, are we true? So I pray first and foremost, Lord, that our salvation, that our faith is sure, sealed and secured in You. And then for us who are, Lord, as we go through this life and the struggles of it, it can weight us down a bit. They can hold us back a little bit. They can enslave us. But would You help us to choose not just the good things, but the best things that we engage, be it through social media, be it with the words we say, be it with the actions that we do, however our day-to-day -day life finds us, help us to always stay focused upon you, asking, is this the best thing I could be doing with my time that I have? I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.